Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Hey, welcome back to the last part, part three of the Unsettling Solution. Guys, thank you for joining me. My name is Jared. I'm Director of Student Ministry. Uh, I want to, uh, first of all, just give you a warning about today. Uh, I'm going to make everyone in the room uncomfortable today. I know it's the last one of, of 2019 here at Journey Church. It's our Christmas uh, celebration today. But part of what I want to help you understand about why we celebrate Christmas is also something that we often don't want to hear about. So I'm going to make you uncomfortable. So let me just start with the uncomfortable question today that I want to get everybody on the same page on. Everybody's going to be uncomfortable. Here we go. What do you call a group of lying, cheating, selfish, greedy, porn-watching, tax-avoiding, angry, jealous, insecure, disloyal, judgmental, lonely, stressed-out people who eat too much, spend too much, drink too much, medicate too much, look at screens too much, overschedule their families, overwork themselves, but gather because they believe Jesus is the light of the world and they need more light. What do you call, the, what do you call that? You call that the church. I know. Somebody said Christians. Hey, get close enough, right? A group of, a group of Christians who gather together. And some of you in the room are right now really relieved. Like, you're like, whew, I thought I had to be perfect to be here. And you just realized you are among, <laughs> you're amongst all kinds of imperfect people here today. I mean, we all gathered here today, and we'd like to say that we're getting it all right, but we don't get it all right. So, hey, welcome to the club. This is what we do. We try to figure this out. Some of you, though, I didn't get yours on the list and you thought of what should have been on the list, but I'm sorry I missed you, but if you'd like to go ahead and yell it out right now, if you, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, right? But some of you in the room too, you looked at that list, and you saw some things on that list, you're like, no, that can't be, those two things, that, well, I get, and I'm, I'm, so, I'm one of these things, and I'm one of these things, but it was right next to one of these really bad things. And it can't be in the same list as those really bad things, because I don't feel like I'm that bad. But listen, here's what Matt's been talking about this whole series long. We are the church. And the way we got to be the church was we didn't earn our way to get to be the church. We didn't deserve to be the church. God did what? He gave us grace. And so listen, here's what I want to just put on your, make unsettling for you this morning. What you have been given, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, and those of you who don't follow Jesus, I'll get to you in a second, but if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, there is a definition Matt has been talking about that helps us define who we are as the church. So he said this, here's his definition. Grace is the unearned, undeserved, unearnable favor of God. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it, but you get it anyway. It's not fair but you get access to it anyway. So listen, all of us in the room are here today because we've been given grace. In fact, let me define it this way. The, the church is, has a very simple definition when you boil it all down. It's really quite simple. We, are the church, we as the church, the people who gather together and do the things that they do, and we as an organization gather together to do things like for Needlang and, and for CASA and for Moses Basket and all these different organizations, why we do all that and why we do different things, we do Global Leadership Summit and we get together and we do Brand You and why we do an Easter egg hunt in the community and help out with that with volunteers, why we do all that, all that organizational stuff comes together. 
Listen, because of these two things. Number one, God sent his son into the world to forgive our sins and help us get beyond ourselves. That's why we meet. That's why we... That's what makes us the church. We believe we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But God did something amazing. He sent Jesus to forgive us. And then Jesus' power living in us helps us to get beyond ourselves and do things for other people that we could not have done without his forgiveness and power. That's just, that's just one part of it, right? We believe that God has forgiveness. But the second part is what makes this so uncomfortable. The number two is we are responsible to extend that same grace to each other. And to the world around us. We're responsible with the grace that's been given us to extend that to others. And that is the real crux of the issue, isn't it? This, this is why Christmas is so really, I mean, it's sentimental. And you think about snow coming down. You think about all these good times. And Christmas is a time of peace and light and joy and all these good things. Listen, but in the end, the Christmas story should remind us of this. That we as the church are called to extend the grace we got to the other people in the world. Now listen, for those of you who would not call yourself part of the church, if you're here today and you're visiting and you're just hanging out with a friend or somebody invited you or you decided to walk in because you, you heard about us on Facebook and you, just, you walked in and this is your first time here, you don't really believe that Jesus did anything, you didn't think he did anything miraculous, you're not sure you believe the stories, you're not sure he rose from the dead and that's not you. Listen, you're going to be thankful this morning because everything I'm going to talk about today, you don't have to buy into today. It's, it's not an expectation for you. It's not something you should feel like you should go and try to figure out. But if you do call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, if you would say, I'm part of the church, if that's you, then you have a heavy responsibility this morning. And I want to help you understand that this idea of grace, we are so, so confused some days. Because we believe that we somehow, once we become part of the church, that we somehow earned our way there because we start to live a certain way and do certain things and we're so generous to other people and we, we look at all the good things we've done as a church and look at all this good stuff and we start to feel good of ourselves and guess what we do? We start to create barriers because we feel like we've gotten this certain lifestyle figured out and, and look, I'm good and so God's grace rests on me because I'm good. And then we start to create a chasm, a gap, between us and the other people in our lives. And we believe that we have some special grace. And so we hold it all to ourselves. And listen, I, I want to help you separate two big ideas. Will you guys go to the next slide? This is the challenge for today. I'm doing the challenge up front rather than the end. I want to do it up front because the whole sermon today is a challenge for you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, to figure out this question. How is God's grace changing the way you respond to others? See, we often think about the church as this organization. And listen, we are an organization. We, we do things together that we could not do alone. What we do at Christmas and give this money away, this huge chunk of cash away to these organizations, we do it together and we could not do it alone. This is what makes the church kind of amazing, isn't it? That there are Democrats who are as liberal as the day is long and there are Republicans who are conservatives as, I don't know, as the day is long as well. And, and somehow we all sit in the same room and we work together to do something we think is worthwhile. And we come here to the church when the church is doing the right thing. Race and gender and where you're from and your ethnic group don't make a difference. You know why? Because we all come together knowing there's one thing that we agree on. And we agree that Jesus died for our sins and gave us grace we did not deserve. 
And so the amazing thing about the church is that we can do amazing things together that the world wishes they could figure out how to do. And yet when we come into the church and we're doing this right, we are all together as one unit, regardless of where we come from, whether how rich or poor you are, how powerful or uh, no power you have, we all come on equal footing. We are all on the same ground here today. We are here by the grace of God. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's just one part of being the church. The other part is this. How are you being changed by God's grace? And how are you individually responding to the other people in light of the grace you've been shown? See, this is, this is the hard part. This is where the organization that you feel so proud to be a part of, I think a lot of us get confused. We get to thinking about the church as this thing and this place over here that we attend to. And listen, we more than anybody should know church is not a place or a building, is it? No. We've met in three or four different buildings in the time in 15 years I've been here. Listen, the building does not define us, but we as individuals coming together define the church. But it's not just about being a group, a body. It's about we as individuals being a part of this. So here's what I'll drive you to. The church is most appealing when grace is most apparent. The church becomes appealing when grace is obvious. That's what sets us apart. We actually believe that every person has the opportunity to approach God. That God loves every single person. That Jesus' death was not just for me, it was for all. And so when we come together, the church should be the avenue by which grace makes it into this graceless world. And the second part of this is what we've got to grab onto and what we've got to hold on to today is this. We are the church. Every single day, every single place we go. There is no division for where grace can land. There is no separation between your church self and your work self and your family self and your hangout with friends self. God's grace is on you all the time. And so here's the unsettling solution. I'm going to go ahead and let you, let you in on it. You know what the unsettling solution, God's unsettling solution for a graceless world, a world without grace is? The church. It's you. You are God's answer to a world that needs to know what his grace looks like. Now, I'm going to read some verses that you do not want me to read. They are not Christmas story verses. But here's what I know. If Jesus were standing here today, and he were wanting us to remind us of what our job was as a church to do. He would say, hey, I'm glad you're celebrating Christmas. I'm glad as an organization that you are getting together and you're doing this all this good stuff. And I'm glad that you're doing all this stuff together and you're putting money together and you're, and you're serving on Sundays. Man, I'm glove, I love the fact that you get with two and three-year-olds and you spend some time putting your time there. And I love the fact that you're with some teenagers and you put your time there. And I, lo- I love all that. But let me... Let me just ask you for a second. When you go to work on Monday, are you showing grace to the people you work with? Are they experiencing grace from you the same way you experienced it from me? Are you showing the grace to that boss who seems to be making you work the harder projects and he keeps assigning you stuff and you look over here at these other people and they don't seem to have to do this stuff but the boss comes by your desk and checks with you. Man, he's making you work harder it seems like than everybody else. And Man, at lunch, the gripe sessions you have. 
oh my goodness, to grab about your boss and just to lay into him and call him names behind his back and to other people in the, in the workplace. And they're like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, man. The boss is terrible. He's horrible. I can't believe. And listen, some of you are the boss in the room and you're saying the same thing about the employees. Man, my employees, they just don't get it. They don't know what they're doing around here. I train them. I tell them what to do. They just can't do it right. Nothing comes out right. All that grab, let me, let me I think Jesus would ask you this question. Where's the grace? Where's the grace? I'm not saying you need to let people off the hook and not do their jobs, but here's what I'm saying. If you're not showing grace in the everyday, then haven't we missed this message? Because grace is not just for Sundays. Grace is for all of our lives and every person in it. For some of you, you have a roommate or you have a sibling or you have a spouse that just cannot pull their weight when it comes to cleaning up the house. Like, they just cannot get the laundry right. They can't get the dishes right. They can't do whatever it is. They can't, and you are looking at them going, why do we have to do this? It's like once a month I have to retrain you how to do this. And behind the back, you catch your roommate not doing the dishes, and you're, you're just finally fed up with it. And, man, you can feel your face starting to steam. And you're like, I'm bringing somebody over, and the dishes are in the sink. And now I've got to do them. And you Snapchat or you Insta-story that, and you're like, roommate again. <laughs> Boy, they're so wonderful, aren't they? And, man, you just blast them on social. Let me just ask you. I think Jesus would ask us, where's the grace? Where, where's the grace for the everyday? Where's the grace for the everyday person? Some of you are going to go to Christmas dinners with your family. And you've already told your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, you looked at them and be like, listen, 30 minutes. That's as long as I can last with her in the room. That lady, all she listens to is Fox News. All she listens to is CNN. I, man, she's going to start She's going to start in. She's going to start in the whole president's thing. And man, I just, and we are so far along. Spent 30 minutes, it's all I got. It's all I got. And we out, right? You've already made plans. Let me just ask you, where's the grace though? If we as believers can't figure out how to apply grace in these everyday situations, listen, all the money we spend and all the serving we do as an organization, nobody's going to be attracted to that kind of grace. It's the everyday grace. And so here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7 that absolutely tells us how we should be responding. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Let me tell you what you're thinking right now because it's what I think. (laughs) Hold on, Jesus. First off, that's not a speck in their eye. That is a plank. You must be backwards. That speck is huge. You see the way they treat me, right? I mean, at work, you see how they make me feel. You see what they say behind. You see what's going on on social media, right? You know how they, what they deserve. Yeah, that is not a speck. That is a plank. You, you get that right, Jesus. You, my dad left me 20 years ago, and now he's back, and he expects me to just kind of start a relationship with him? Like, are you kidding me? That's not a speck, Jesus. That's a plank. Listen, I don't know what you think of as a speck, Jesus, but the way she talks and the way she talks about politics and the way she does all this, I don't understand her, and we are so far apart. There's no, there's no, that is a plank that is too big an issue for me to just look past. I can't just look past this huge plank in their eye. It's a plank. And listen, you're saying there's a plank in my eye? There's no plank in my eye. I might have a speck. I know I'm not perfect. Listen, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not quite there yet. But man, I just, I'm the only one in my family that actually knows what's going on and knows what's for real. I'm the only one that has a reality check going on for the rest of the people. I have to constantly remind them, no, 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 that's not the way the world is. This is the way the world is. Don't you understand, Jesus? They have the plank. I have a speck. I need to help them see the way the world's supposed to run and what they should be doing and how it's supposed to be done. 
Oh, isn't it exhausting being right all the time? Isn't it exhausting? And here's, here's what we do. Listen, do you think even you look at your own view on what life should be like? And listen, don't you understand that you had an education level that affects the way you see the world? Whether you had a lot of education or a little education, that has affected the way you see the world. And whether you had two parents, one parent, or you lived with the grandparents or family members and you bounced around, whatever it was, you know all those experiences, those affect the way you see the world. And the way you got treated by that boyfriend or girlfriend in high school and in college, did you know that affects the way you see the world? And did you know that the way you had resources and you came to high school and you felt like you fit in because you had the right clothes or you didn't have the right resources or you didn't have the right clothes and you didn't feel like you fit in, do you realize that all affects the way you see the world? And sometimes I think we forget. We all have a huge plank right in our vision. And the way we see the world is affected. And the way we see other people is so skewed. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes to verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own? How can you look at them and tell them what they need to do? Not until, listen, not until you remove it. And here's what I want to tell you about your heavenly father. Do you, did you know that he knows about the plank in your eye? He knows what your dad did. He knows what your mom said growing up. He knows what happened in college. He knows what your boss says. He knows what the people that live with you do. He knows your whole story. And he offers you grace anyway. He looks at all these things going on in your life. And listen, here's what we think. We think God just overlooks sin. No, no, no. He doesn't overlook sin. You know what God does with sin? He solves it. That's why Jesus came. See, he saw our sin and how we didn't measure up. And he gave us a solution. A gift. A grace. We didn't have to earn it. We don't deserve it. He gave it to us anyway. And Jesus says one thing. Listen, if you're not a believer here this morning, you're going to love this next verse. It's going to nail every Christian believer Right between the eyes, actually right in the eyes, if you want to be be honest. Look at verse 5. You hypocrite. Not my words. Jesus said that. I didn't add that in. Jesus said that. Jesus said that about his own followers? Yes, he did. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's church. Listen, church. Here's what we get wrong. We forget That grace was given to us. Not because we deserve it. And not because we're generous. And not because we serve. And not because we're good. Those are all things that we do in response and gratitude for the grace we got when we did not deserve it. So how is that grace changing the way you respond to the people you see every single day? It's tough, right? Here's what we have to do. You didn't understand God's grace until somebody showed it to you. The people in your life are not going to understand God's grace until you show it to them. So your challenge is to figure out this Christmas. (laughs) And the reason we have Christmas is because we get this gift 
of Jesus. And your job is to figure out, how do I do this? It's, it's interesting because Paul, he was writing to the church in Romans. And he was trying to explain to them like the essence of how we are to treat other people and why it's so important that we remember what God did for us. And he writes this, he writes this one verse, and it's not a Christmas verse. Again, it's not a Christmas verse, but it's so Christmas. It's so in there. Because we realize now, looking back, what Paul was trying to get people to understand is that, do you realize how big a deal this grace thing is? Look at Romans 5, 8. He says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, before we figured it out, before we got good, before we did anything worthy, he still sent Jesus as a gift to us. So, here's the big challenge. How is God's grace for you changing the way you treat everyone else? Because here's what I think we should be doing. We should be doing this. We should be giving what we got from God. Can you, can you just focus this Christmas on the next few weeks? Can you just focus on giving to others what they do not deserve and they have not earned because that's what you got? Can you flip the formula from what you got from God to give to them? Because here's the deal. Your boss... While he's still a jerk, there's grace. And your roommate, while he's still messy, there's still grace. And while your spouse is still not getting it right on your anniversary or your birthday or Christmas, just just to be honest, there's still grace. And while your kids don't always get it right, there's still grace. And while your coworkers sometimes talk about you behind your back, there's still grace. And while there's so many people in this community who just don't do the right things on Facebook and they don't say the right, and then, man, they post that stuff about political stuff and you're like, why do they post it? It's so wrong. It's so stupid. They're such idiots. No, 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 stop. While they were still blank, there's grace. This should, this should light your world up, church. We are called the light of the world, not because we're good, but because we know something that nobody else realizes, that there is grace for everyone. And you get to spread that message. Listen, that's what Christmas is about. That's that's why we celebrate Christmas, because there is now a way. There's a way to God. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.